Welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you back in my home in Stockholm. Most of this podcast this week, lads, going to be from Gothenburg, but uh, I'm back at home in Stockholm now after a wild week. I'll tell you more about it in a second. I hope you're well wherever you are in the country, that you're enjoying the last of the warm weather here as uh, autumn is just setting in now and winter is just around the corner, but the weather's been lovely this week. Uh, I was in Gothenburg there for a few days last week for Sweden against Spain, the women's game. I met the wonderful Emma Ridge down there uh, with a couple of friends of hers they were down to see uh, the, the soccer game down there but the rain on Friday morning lads had me thinking why don't all the Irish people live down here because be Jesus we wouldn't be homesick with that rain pouring down the sun on a, a Friday morning it was uh, lovely in its own way but I stayed indoors I didn't go out until I had to go out at that point um, I was down in Gothenburg as I said but what I want to do first I want to bring you a couple of little things to do with the community up here uh, the first of which is that hallelujah at long last I've managed to meet our new ambassador Barbara John and lads were in good hands right Austin was brilliant we had a wonderful time at Austin Gormley here as ambassador did great work together and I'm delighted to say that having met Barbara Jones now I fully believe that we're going to do as well if not better under her it was a tremendously positive meeting I sat down with her before I headed off to Gothenburg actually herself and Doreen and Aideen from the embassy there and we had a good old chat for an hour or so about the community here and about the podcast and what we do with it she's not coming on the podcast yet, yet lads right so she said to me I'll come on when I have something to say so I, I want to get around to, to introduce her to you, basically, because it's not like everybody's going to get a chance to meet her in the next few weeks. But as soon as she's had a chance to get her feet under the table and an understanding for the situation and, you know, something good to say, because, you know, it's not a whole lot she can say about the Irish in Sweden when she's only been here in a few weeks, you know. But she will come on and she will outline the vision that she has and the work that she wants to do and the things that are important to her and the Irish government and that kind of thing. But as I say, very, very positive first impression. And the best of that is that, you know, I have full permission to go and talk to Dorian and Aiden. I we had it previously as well but to talk to Dorian and Aileen about what they're doing there as well Aileen has a lot of good work being done around uh, the whole Nordic Irish thing and Dorian of course with all the sort of things that she deals with on a daily basis you know from events to consular cases powerful woman altogether they're both very powerful women and it'd be great to get them on the podcast with the full support of our new ambassador and indeed to get the new ambassador on herself now, the Swedish Irish Society lads, they have whiskey tastings to bait the band going on at the moment. There is one on in Stockholm on the 21st of October, right? But down south in Malmo, I think there's one on before then, but Peter Miller down below needs your help. You will have heard Peter Miller on the podcast when we went down to Fagan's pub in Malmo. We had a chat with a few people down there. Uh, Miller was down there. I don't like calling him Miller. Everybody calls him Miller. He even calls himself Miller. I don't like it. man's name is Peter, and I'm going to call him Peter from here on in, right? But Peter is a one-man show. Not a, not a one-man show other people help me out there but Peter's the driving force if you like behind establishing the Swedish Irish Society down below in Malmö we don't want it to be the Stockholm Irish Society we want it to be the Swedish Irish Society and Peter is doing his best to get established down there but he needs a few people to help him out right especially around this whiskey tasting which is coming out uh, coming up and also around next year's parade because this is already the time that they need to be looking for permission to do things and what are we going to do who's going to do the music and the face painting and all those things right so if you're down around Skåne if you're in Helsingborg or Trelleborg or Malmo, anywhere around that part, it doesn't matter if you're only here for six months or three months or whatever, see if you can give Peter a hand. Get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with him or get in touch with him directly or indeed get in touch with the Swedish Irish Society, which I hope you have all joined by now as I hope you have joined the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden if you are uh, business business inclined. But yeah, get in touch with Miller. I was going to bring him on and uh, and uh, sort of give him an opportunity to say this yourself, but I think he sort of thought it was embarrassing to go sort of, you know, looking for help. It's absolutely not 
embarrassing to go looking for help either because we all need help and it's uh, when we all get together that these things happen Ninyat Gukhur Lekela there's no strength without unity as they say in Irish goes ladies and gentlemen let me tell you who I met last week right so I was going down to Gothenburg and it was one of those things. I got down to Gothenburg and I just pulled up to my hotel. Now, you can't stay in the centre of Gothenburg if you're driving a car, right? Well, you can, but you'd want to be Zlatan to be able to afford the parking and that, right? So I thought I'd be a bit clever here now. And I'll park just outside, uh, you know, in Ulskrug's Toriot, which is just outside the city kind of thing. A couple of stops away in the tram. Grand bit of parking to be had there. Deadly. So there I am. Late Wednesday evening, full of the joys of life after talking to the new ambassador and the girls at the embassy and everything. And I drove over a speed bump and one of the shock absorbers in the car broke. I was like, oh, deadly, great. So I had great plans to talk to all of the Irish community down there, and they sort of fell apart as the car was being towed away with me sitting beside a man in the front seat of the tow truck. So I had to get that fixed and that kind of thing. But I managed to make it over to speak to Stephanie Coughlin. Who is Stephanie Coughlin, Philip O'Connor? I'll tell you who Stephanie Coughlin is. Stephanie Coughlin has just this very day opened a new web shop for second-hand or pre-loved English books, English language books. The site is called Less is Less is More. Let's get this right in Swedish now. Less, the Swedish word for read, is more dot com, right? And you can go on there and you can find all sorts of books that Stephanie has been given and that people have donated to her and some of which she's bought and that publishers have handed over to her and that kind of thing. And you can go on there and you can uh, find books, you can find ways of swapping, there's going to be events, there's going to be all sorts of things. But you look at, I'm not going to give away the farm now by telling you all the great things that she's going to do. I'm going to let her do that herself, right? So here she is, from a lovely, lovely mad apartment down below in Sredjelongathan, uh, I think it's called, uh, somewhere in the city centre there, I've got the book. This is Stephanie Cochlan, uh, Californian by birth, Irish by the grace of God, talking about her new web bookshop down below there on the West Coast. There we go, and it looks like we are... Stephanie Cochlan in what is probably the finest apartment I've ever been in in Gothenburg. <laughs> Uh, just tell me where we are here. We're in central Gothenburg. We were talking about this wonderful place that yeah. you've got. How long have you been living here? So, uh, well, I've been living in Sweden since 2017, but I've been living in this apartment in this neighborhood since 2019. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because actually a couple of years ago in The Guardian, this neighborhood, these couple streets right here were named like the coolest neighborhood in Europe. You know what? I got up, I got off the the, the tram here, right? And yeah. Went, and this is a place we were talking just before yeah. we started recording. I've been down here a lot, but I, I still haven't a sense of direction here right, at all. Right, right, and right. I went off, and it kind of reminds me of the nicer parts of Malmo or Copenhagen, mm. you know, and even the sort of the you know the painted details and the doors yeah. coming in. How did you get hold of this place? Did you buy this place or are you renting? Yes. So I bought it a couple of years ago. Um, it actually was featured in Expressin at the time. Okay. And because it was a very unique apartment for this area it's got a lot of character it's very old it's from 1901 a lot of things are like original about it um but yeah i found it i fell in love with it i bought it before they had like the open house or anything so i was kind of um yeah dealing with the buyers directly or the sellers directly and they had also mentioned that at the time it was actually a candidate to go on the TV show Vembor Hair. Okay, yeah. Ah, so well. They had reached out, they had seen it on um, Expressin and had expressed interest in potentially coming out and filming here. It Are didn't you, amount to anything. No, no, no. I was not on it. That would have just, <laughs> no, that would have just put the price up the whole yeah. time, like, you know? 
<laughs> and when you boil it down, because like obviously yeah. it's it's extremely old fashioned, and yet yeah. it's in its own way it's modern. As you were saying, yes. you have the propane gas here and that kind of thing. How much of a nightmare has it been to renovate? So it has been interesting. So luckily, before I moved in, the prior owners had renovated the kitchen and they'd renovated the bathroom. Okay, and those were the two big things. Yeah. Uh, the closet was an absolute disaster when I moved in, for Mm. example, and I was trying for a really long time to get someone in to kind of help me fix it up. Mm. And people were scared off because it's anything but conventional. Mm. Uh, you couldn't fit, for example, an Ikea custom closet in there. Mm. So I searched high and low. It took me like months and months to find a good contractor, but I actually found a good Irish one who has been working with me on a lot of the weird like kinks about this apartment. And he did a beautiful job on um, on the closet. And I hope if he has time to kind of get him to help me with the, the bookstore if and when I go into brick, brick and mortar. Mm. Uh, well, let's give him the free advertising. Is yeah. he from here? Who is he? What's his name? Where can we find him? Oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't kill me. Uh, His name's Johnny Newell. Okay. And he's from Ireland, but he's been living in Gothenburg for a long time now. I've been working with him for a couple of years now. Mm. So he actually just refinished my floors as well. He did a beautiful job. Yeah. Tremendous. These are the originals, so he must have signed them. Exactly. mm -hmm. On these beautiful floors that Johnny Newell in Gothenburg has renovated, (laughs) there are boxes and boxes and boxes of books. And I look to the other side of me and there are bags and bags and bags of books you want to open your own pop-up bookstore here in Gothenburg I do well my dream would be to open up a a real bookstore and I actually am scouting out some locations right now as Mm. we speak but I also want to make sure I don't move too fast the demand is there I walk before I run and all of that so uh, at the moment I think I'm going to go live with my my online website uh, this weekend hopefully Mm. And if and when I do that, I've kind of organ- I've collaborated with the British shop down yes. in Gothenburg for a pickup of books and things like that. Cool. So. That, that makes a lot of sense because most of the books I'm guessing when I look around here, they are, there are some uh, Swedish language, but it's mostly English language books. That you, that's the oh, yeah. market that you're catering to. Yeah? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So right now it's probably about 98% English books, mm. but... I know as I get donations, I will accept and have like a small Swedish section yeah. as well. Where did the idea come from? Um, so for me, I've always been a book lover and it's kind of, I think it's a very common dream among like different book lovers to kind of be surrounded by books, have a bookstore, share their love of books with other people. And so it's always kind of been this like pipe dream, but I've never really thought it was something that's practical or something that's feasible, you know? Hmm. And... During COVID, I was kind of reassessing my life like a lot of people did at the time. And I've been working in financial compliance for 10 years. And it just wasn't something that I saw myself doing long term. Mm. And so at that point, I was kind of thinking if I could do anything, you know, I have some savings now. I've been working for a while. What would that be? Mm. And, you know, the obvious thing, you know, I look around, I'm surrounded by books, not as many as I am now, Mm. but the obvious thing would be to open a news language bookstore here in Gothenburg. Mm. And I also thought there was a gap in the market because we have a lot of English books, new English books here. So they have them in a section in Academy Bokhanland, a section in Adley Bree. They have a new English bookstore that just opened up down near Domshirken. Mm-hmm. And so I know we have the English books here. It's just kind of a matter of like 
taking some of the old ones, recycling them, giving them new homes, mm-hmm. things like that. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Mm-hmm. And when I first, I brought over um, a bunch of books from Ireland where I've been living for the past year. And then I also kind of have gotten a lot of donations and I've found a lot of enthusiasm here in Gothenburg. Mm. So so basically your stock mm. as such is donated by idiots like me who can't ah! stop buying books <laughs> and have nowhere left to put them. So exactly. we, we give them to you. You put them out on the shelves, hopefully yes. in a physical bookstore soon yeah. enough. You've worked in, you mentioned you work in financial compliance, that kind yes. of thing. That means that you know your way around a balance sheet, right? Yes. You know the risk involved. The yes. Darth Vader of literature, exactly. Jeff Bezos is standing over you, you know. I know. How does it look? How does the business plan look? How mm-hmm. likely is it that you'll be able to do this and turn a profit on it? So I've looked at it quite a bit. And I think for one thing, it's like not only am I receiving the donated books, I also plan to kind of buy books at, you know, 25% of what I can sell them for or 50% of store credit. I think for me, I'm one of those weird people. I understand a lot of things have gone online with Kindle and um, uh, and I too have a Kindle. And I use it mostly for travel when I can't carry a bunch of books with me in my bag, things like that. For the most part, I do love paper books. And I know that there's a huge community that I'm in that loves having the the paper physical books. And I know, you know, with all the new bookstores that are around, that there is that market for the physical books, you know. And so now it's just a matter of kind of making it more accessible. And I think especially with like the downturn in the market recently, there's more of a market for getting those um, maybe secondhand pre-used or pre-loved books. Mm at a markdown price. Yeah, because it's amazing now, especially with modern, yeah. the, the modern sort of, you know, binding technology and that kind of thing. You read a book mm. and it pretty much looks unused. Mm. You know, mm. you can tell somebody's mm. read it, but they're, they're so durable now, maybe in a yeah. way that the sort of Pulp Fiction was back yeah. in the day, it just fell apart after exactly. you read it once, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I have a lot of books here that, you know, are 60, 70 years old. And mm. some of those are a little bit more worn, obviously. It's like just, even if you have a book that's never been touched, but it's been around for 70 years, it's going to look a little bit more yellow or Mm. you know just from the the effects of the air Mm. um but most of the books i have are in very good condition Mm. uh some of them are almost like new you know Mm. we'll get back to the books in one second Uh, i just want to get into your own sort of story and your own sense of irishness right because Mm. your name is stephanie coughlin (laughs) your accent (laughs) suggests that somewhere you are from the irish american irish north american diaspora where does that come from i was wondering when this was going to come up it has to come up (laughs) It has to come up. It's called the Irish. It's reading the podcast for a reason. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I'm actually, I was born in California mm-hmm. and lived there uh, till I was eight, moved to the UK for a little bit, mm-hmm. then bounced around as a typical American does. Mm-hmm. What, um, what part of California? It's very big. Yes, yeah, true. I'm down from the LA area. Okay. So down south. That, so, that's also very big. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Would it be sort of Hollywood or more down towards uh, south? So the beach cities, Manhattan Beach specifically. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. So, but my dad is Irish. And you come to Gothenburg yeah. where it rains all the time. <laughs> anyway, we were, listen, your dad is from Ireland, yeah? My dad's Irish. He's from Cork. He was born and raised there. His whole family's there. Um, and my parents actually now that they're empty nesters, they split their time between California and Ireland. So usually they spend their summers in Ireland, their winters in California. Mm. Um, So we always grew up going to Ireland a ton. Obviously I'm an Irish citizen. Um, And then recently 
Oh, yeah. And then when I was younger, we lived in the UK. And so yeah. we were constantly kind of bouncing back and forth yeah, yeah. between Ireland and the UK. It's an awful lot more convenient than California to get over for a visit. Kind of thing, yes, you know? exactly. That's for sure. Can I ask you something? I was talking yeah. to the Irish writer Kate Kerrigan recently, and yeah. she has a new show called Am I Irish Yet? Yeah. Because she was born <laughs> in the London Irish diaspora. Yes, right? yes, yes. When you came back to Cork from California, yeah. right, you must have been this incredibly exotic mm. girl coming in there. How were you? Were you sort oh, of, you know, almost put on a pedestal and sort of, you know, worshipped like the statue in Balance Biddle? So funny that you mentioned that. So, yeah, especially when I was younger, I was eight years old when we moved to the UK and then we were constantly going over to Ireland like every couple weeks you know and when we would go we would hang out with a lot of these kids on this block right by my granny's house and they were all a lot younger and my god they thought we were so exotic if they like had a dollar bill they would get go nuts talk about it yeah Yeah. for the rest of the night you know so it was funny kind of going over i think it's a little bit different now 30 years later like Mm. i think the world has become a lot more global and you're not quite as exotic as you once were but yeah sure americans are everywhere now yeah exactly exactly when you were growing up in california that sense of identity and especially with and i mean this is with the best Mm. will of the world right cork people are very proud of Mm. where they're from you know Mm. they say you know Mm. irish by birth cork by the grace of god kind of thing you know um did your father was he like that in your home was the irish aspect of it always around you growing up at home well the funny thing is um my mom, she actually has Swedish roots, but much further back than my dad does in Ireland. Okay. And the Swedish influence was a lot more present when we were growing was up. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it was actually, you know, we'll still have Swedish meatballs on Christmas, for example. We celebrate on the 24th instead of the 25th. Wow. Um, so when I moved to Sweden, it was actually very funny because I had all these traditions growing up that... I didn't really understand. And then I moved here and I was like, oh my gosh, like maybe, you know, yeah, this we is are really real. are Swedish. <laughs> yeah. Like this is kind of legit. That's amazing altogether. Um, and was it just, it was just something that was passed down to your mother and just something that she yeah, did kind exactly, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She had like three grandparents who were from Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of kept up the traditions. And then maybe because it was a little bit further away for her, she yeah. was more invested in kind of keeping up those traditions that yeah. could be lost. Whereas, you know, the Irish, who was much more like present with my dad. Yeah. You know, so he didn't feel the need to really. Yeah. To well, I suppose it's kind of easier in America yeah. because there's so many other Irish people yeah. there in California, mm-hmm. New York and mm-hmm. Chicago. And there's always, you know, if you look at the Irish in Philadelphia mm-hmm. Facebook group, there's things happening there every yes. day. Whereas if maybe if you're Swedish in California, there's not, it's yeah. not as present every yeah. day. If we want to talk about books, actually, and uh, your mother's sort of link to Sweden, uh, Wilhelm Mulberry. I don't oh, know if you've yeah. read those books, The Immigrants. I've got some of them right over there. Yeah. So you have, what is it? The Emigrants, The Immigrants, yes, Unto yes, a Good yes. Land and one more. But yes. that was very similar to the Irish story of emigration during the famine, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. You've read those books, obviously, if they're over there in the corner, have you? Um, I've read the first one in English. I've read the second one in Swedish. I have not read the third and fourth. My yeah. mom's read them all multiple times. And I actually have a 300-page book back there that documents my mom's Swedish family and wow. their lineage back until like 1750. Yeah. And also different stories about when they came over to the U.S. and kind of what happened on the boat and things like that. Yeah. And in my Swedish class, I actually did a project where I was kind of comparing my own family's trip to Wilhelm Moberry's. Brilliant. And it was very, like, shockingly similar. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, back at that time, there was, you know, there was no, yeah. okay, will I fly business class? Yeah. Will I go to skyscanner.net mm-hmm. and see yeah. what I can get kind of thing, you know? <laughs> uh, where were they from in, in Sweden? 
so she had three different grandparents who were from like three different areas of Sweden. Okay. And they all kind of met over in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. Yeah, there's US. a lot of Swedish yeah, people there. Yeah, exactly. So one of her grandparents was from Timroa, up kind of in like central Sweden on yeah. the east coast. Yeah. Another one was from Husby, which is south of Stockholm. And another one's from Ingatorp in Småland. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, in Mobile's books, they're all from Småland. Yes. Because it was so hard yes. to farm the land there. Exactly. Kind of thing. So anybody yeah. who wants to know a little bit about the Swedish yeah. history and Swedish culture and yeah. indeed the similarities mm-hmm. to Ireland would do well to read them. Yes. Um, you mentioned there that you've been living in Ireland for the last year or so as well. Was that yeah. as a result of COVID that you just went, ah, screw this. No. I, I want some warmer rain for well, a while. <laughs> I guess indirectly, yes. Because <laughs> during COVID, that's kind of when I had reassessed everything mm. and decided to kind of quit my career in finance mm. and then pursue like more of a dream of mine. Yeah. And so initially what I ended up doing was I went back to school and I went to UCC and studied English liter- literature for a year. Cool. And it's actually, it was funny. It's, you know, where my dad also went to college. And so that was kind of fun. But my parents have that place out there where I kind of stayed, where yeah. I could go to school for the year and then kind of come back at the end of it yeah. and yeah here i am now hoping to open up the the shop yeah. <laughs> how was it to go back to college because i'm guessing yeah. that you would have been older than many of your classmates oh, yes. when you go back in exactly. was that like okay here comes mom kind of thing was yeah. it? so i definitely i wasn't the oldest there by any means but yeah. we're definitely a smaller group yeah and but i i just found it was so fun like yes it wasn't the same social aspect as it was the first time i went to college yeah but I felt like I really knew what I wanted to do and I took it that much more seriously Mm -hmm. and I just had much more fun learning this time around. Mm. It wasn't something I had to do. It's something that I wanted to do. Yeah. So There's a lot to be said for that. I think, yeah. in, you know, you talk a lot about a gap year when you yeah. leave high school or when you leave, yeah. you know, university in Sweden, go off, do something for a year yeah. because you're, mm. you know, with the best will in the world, you're not a person yet. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you want to do. You exactly. haven't really seen anything. What, what kind of things were you studying at UCC? Because English mm. literature is, you know, yeah. you can do any amount of courses. Yes. What kind of things did you get to learn? Uh, whew, it was all over the board. So one of the classes I took was based on the Canterbury Tales. There was okay. another one on Victorian literature, romantic literature, uh, 19th century American literature, oh, which wow. was interesting because I was kind of iffy about taking that because I was like, well, I'm going to be in Ireland. Do I really want to learn about American literature again? Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad I did because it gave me a different perspective on what I had learned yeah. um, back in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to reread some books that I hadn't read in a long time and kind of get that new, fresh perspective. Mm. So I like that a lot. Well, that stood then, out, right? My favorite book, yeah. I may have said this in the podcast before, my favorite book ever, ever, ever yeah. is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Oh, yeah. Every time I read it, yes. something new comes up. Exactly. Right? <gasps> exactly. Was and there anything like that to happen in any of the books that you read when you were back in college? Yeah. I mean, I do think that certain books are meant to kind of find you at certain points in your life and yeah. you kind of appreciate it more. Uh, especially when you're in a classroom setting, you'll notice things that you didn't notice when you were reading it on your own. Yeah. So I find I found that to be very interesting. Or you find different value in different books that people think are throwaway books. Like, yeah. for example, I took two seminars. One of them was on popular Irish uh, contemporary fiction, yep. which a lot of people kind of... Con- considered to be like 
guilty pleasure books or throwaway books. Would they be like the Ashling books? Yes, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. One of the Ashling books featured in that class. There you go. And then in the second semester, I did a class on crime fiction, yeah. which again is one of the highest selling genres, but a lot of people think of it as, you know, popcorn literature or throwaway. And you yeah, there's think no about value it to it. Like, yeah. Exactly. And so it was kind of interesting learning about those different genres as well mm. and kind of how they add value. Like even with the Ashling books, with something like that, they usually take some kind of stance or some kind of like, um, it's almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing where yeah. it seems like it's very innocuous. Yeah. But then you kind of open the pages and, oh, there's a lot of stuff here related to abortion. And it's yeah. right in 2017 when... Um, the, when the referendum took exactly. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you had people like Marion Keyes, yes. who has been on this podcast before, actually. She really? used to talk... Yeah. Like her and there's a guy called Paul Howard. Do you know the yes. Russell Carroll Kelly books about this rugby character? I'm no. not sure you come across it. Hugely popular. Started okay. out as a newspaper column, sort of satirizing yeah. this thing. And now he writes a book every year. I actually think that him and Marion are the two most subversive writers yes. working in Ireland, right? So Marion Keyes was also featured in the Irish contemporary fiction class that we did. Yeah. And her book, The Break, is very much like, you know, every single page really deals with some aspect of abortion. Yeah. You, you could read it without even really thinking that it yeah. is quite subversive and very smart the way she the way she writes it's funny because you know some, you'll read a book like yeah. that and then two weeks later you finished it and you're standing at a bus stop and you're damn yeah <laughs> that's what she was I saying know, right? eh? <laughs> and yet like you said yeah. you know we don't place value in these things you go right. oh you read it you throw it away but they're actually yeah. hugely influential in they the are. Long run, yeah. and i think maybe that you know people like marion when it came to that referendum yeah. in ireland probably had a much greater influence yeah. than any of us would realize you mm, know what kind definitely. of what kind of books do you like to read Oh my gosh. I mean, I love... All the books. Give me all the books. <laughs> <laughs> I love contemporary fiction. I love historical fiction. I love crime fiction, nonfiction memoirs. Honestly, in the bookstore, a lot of the genres I sell are those genres that I really know that I you yeah. know, can recommend and whatnot. I read some uh, sci-fi, but I'm not as big into the sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, otherwise, kind of all across the board, yeah. <laughs> you pick these things up. Um, mm -hmm. do, have you ever had any sort of aspirations to write yourself? Is that one of those? Because, you know, every yeah. reader is an aspiring writer in yeah, some way, you know? exactly. Is that something no. you've tested? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I have worked, I've done some freelance writing, freelance editing, things like that. Obviously, cool. I did a lot of writing during my last year at UCC. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Um, so it is something I want to continue to do. I know as I work at, or as I try to start this bookshop, I also want to supplement my income with some freelance writing. Mm. And so on my site, I do have a link if people are interested or if they have a new or, you know, existing business that they want help with, I can definitely help with copywriting and things like that. And that's for pretty much anything for businesses yeah. or for, you know, anybody who needs their CV edited mm -hmm. or this kind of thing. Like, exactly. So it is. It's amazing that you see yeah. um, there was recent sort of controversy, if you like, in Ireland yeah. where there's a soap opera on the TV called Fair City okay. and there's a contract out for a photographer to take 16 photographs a week and it's worth like yeah. 65,000 euros a year, right? Yeah. And everybody's going, that's a load of money. I was going, that is absolutely nothing for a good photographer, right? <laughs> if you're going to be 20 hours a week on site and that kind of, yeah. and writing is a similar thing because yeah. people think that, oh, well, you know, what do you do? You just sit down, you knock right. it out. 
that's not really no. how it works, right? Mm-hmm. So for somebody like yourself who's getting involved there, that's the kind of thing that I do as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like I do a lot of journalism, I do a lot of copywriting yeah. as well. So it is one of those things that people have to appreciate that your mm-hmm. time and your expertise and all those books you had to read at UCC exactly. cost money. Where can people find your website to begin with? What's your website where they can find yeah. you? Yeah, so right now uh, it's going to be going live this weekend, but it's called Less Is More. So my shop name is called Less Is More, as in less reading in Swedish. Yeah. And it's also because reading is more, it adds value to your life, and it's also less because it costs less. Yeah. Uh, the website itself is lasismore.com. And uh, it also has some social media links and things that you can access from there. Cool. So you're going to be up on Facebook and Instagram and these kinds of things. Yes, yes, yes. Talk to me about the process of, because when we started to discuss this first, you were going, let's wait and I'll see if I can find a shop, right? You mentioned that you speak Swedish, but it's something that, you know, you're getting better and better at communicating in it. But when you're trying to start a business and you're trying to find a premises and you're trying to sign a lease and discuss a contract and that kind of thing, how has that process been? How many places have you visited? How many tears have you cried in this Ah, process? It's actually, it has not been too bad so far. I'm still in the early stages. Mm. I have a place I'm going to be looking at this afternoon. But I mean, you've lived in Sweden for a long time as well. Mm. You know things are, you know, everyone kind of speaks English. So that makes it easier. When it comes to actually signing the contract, Mm. Then it gets trickier. Like, for example, it's a very different process buying a home here in Sweden rather than in the U.S. Mm. Instead of having, you know, 200 pages, you have two pages. Yeah. And it's all in Swedish. And so... And everybody just assumes that everybody yes. knows what's in here. Yeah? Exactly. Yes. There's no appraisal that goes into it. It's like, look around. And if, you know, you see something that's wrong, say something. But otherwise, take it as it. <laughs> yeah, you're done. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so... Last time when I bought the place, I had a friend who's, you know, from Sweden come with me and kind of almost act as like the lawyer on my behalf, reading through everything, make sure I'm understanding everything. So Mm. I think I'll do the same kind of thing here. Mm. Mm. What are you looking for in that premises? Because I'm guessing it would be ideal if all the English speaking people lived in one area and you could put your shop in the middle of it, right? But failing that, what are you looking for? Exactly. Well, so right now, you know, as you can see from my apartment, I like places with a lot of character. Yeah. I really want to kind of bring a lot of my personality into it, make it feel very cozy. And the place I'm looking at right now, actually, is right next to the British shop. So, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's in like, um, it's a place called Antique Hollerna, Yeah. which is, like it says, it's like the antique hall in Gothenburg. Mm. And so everything is kind of like a little bit used or older um, mm. that's there. And they also have a big seating area right outside and like a little restaurant. So. Nice. It sounds cool. Some of yeah. these, um, you know, the big sort of corporate shopping yeah. malls that exist here. And I've heard of people who have opened stores there and they've just mm. been a nightmare to deal mm. with. Have you had dealings with Antique Colony? Do you know what they're like? Are they reasonable people who are not just in it for the money that they want cool shops like yours is going to be? Yeah. So, I mean, I've talked to the British shop about it and mm. it seems like they're, you know, decent landlords. Um, but obviously, as I get into the weeds, I'm kind of going to learn more mm. before I dive in. Mm. Yeah. 
how easy is it to take this risk? Because, you know, mm. this is your savings. This is money mm. that you've worked and you have this opportunity now to do it. You know, does it keep you awake at night thinking about the possibilities of this? Or? Yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it is very stressful. I don't know if it's going to succeed or not, um, but it's something that I'm really passionate about. I'm going to give myself a year and I'm going to give myself a budget. And mm. if it works, great. And if not, I can always fall back into finance or into other um, types of writing. Yeah. You can but, find something to do there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you any plans to, to build book circles? Because often yes. the success of a business like this is around yes. community, right? What are you exactly. looking at there? So I am planning to have a book club, and it would be a little bit more of a unique book club, I'd say, because it wouldn't be a club where everyone reads the same book every week. It would be where we all get together, say, on a Saturday morning, and we all kind of talk about the books that we are reading, make recommendations um, from there. And then I also might have some themed weeks or themed months where it's like we all read books by a certain author or we all read books in a certain genre Yeah, and kind of make it more cohesive in that way. But I feel like there are so many different book clubs where you can join and, you know, have to read the same book every single week and I wanted to have one that just offers that little bit more flexibility I guess yeah yeah we just we have to pull back the curtain here we have a cat wandering around the (laughs) table what's the cat's name (laughs) this is Louise Louise is doing a great job now Louise is just very much keeping to herself right but this is Louise's apartment and you're only living here with your books right so if anybody does hear a cat brushing off a microphone that's why when I tried to bring the books up into the loft into Louise's room she was not happy she's not having it hang on a second what's going on here they're back down (laughs) but she's very quiet she doesn't say a whole lot she just sits and sort of looks at you and tells you you're not supposed to be here on the table in front of us there is a book right and it's wrapped in paper here yes 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 and on it is written blind date with a book right Uh, pick a genre and get ready to be surprised learn more at lessismore.com l-a-s-i-s more.com right Mm -hmm. is this basically a sort of a lucky dip kind of thing where you pick out a book uh, yes with love and respect for the reader exactly so usually it would be uh, labeled with a different kind of genre so this one for example has crime fiction written along the side of it and there's different prices depending on if it's a pocketbook a paperback or a hardcover book yeah uh, so this one here, I was actually planning to leave with the British shop yeah. as a different form of advertising there. Yeah. But it's something that you can order on my site. It's a very popular thing in a lot of bookstores like that I've Is seen in job? the U.S. I haven't seen it so much here, mm. but I love the concept of it. And so I kind of wanted to bring that option here to Gothenburg as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, is the idea there like I mean I, I'm just yeah. kind of thinking because 75 crowns is fine because that's yeah. like okay it's basically a beer in one yeah. of the Irish bars mm-hmm. here in town right so it's worth that will people do you think people will enjoy that here in Sweden they go okay yeah. Yeah, give me that yeah I definitely think they would I think it's so fun especially you know if you want to be totally surprised if you want to leave it up to me you can there's also a section where you can kind of write what you're very specifically interested in you can leave your goodreads account which shows you know the different ratings you've had in the past and so i can very much cater it to you and your interests or you can kind of leave it to me in my judgment so but that's a lovely thing because you know you were thinking about somebody specifically saying okay this person Mm -hmm. likes it i'm famous Mm -hmm. for walking into airports and saying give me something that's like jack reacher because i have to sit in a plane for 10 hours and oftentimes oftentimes you get something that you know will keep you entertained on the plane but i do think it's lovely Mm -hmm. because it's not just like going in and going okay you know give me a packet of cigarettes or some batteries or something like that well another thing i also like about it is that sometimes it kind of 
of brings you out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah. Where it's like maybe you're very set in a specific genre and you only read books by a certain author or something like mm. that. And here it's like you're kind of trusting it with someone else. Sometimes you might not love it and other times you might really love it. Yeah. And, you know, open up your mind that much more. How do you discover new books and new authors yourself? Is it just from people going, okay, here's a bunch of books and you go, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a couple things. I'm in a lot of book communities. So yeah. either, you know, on Facebook or on Goodreads um, where I kind of learn about new books. My sister is always sending me different book talks, for example, that she finds. Yeah. I also listen to a couple different podcasts with like recommendations and things like that. So, um, but yeah, a lot of it is... Um, it sounds quite social if your sister yes. is telling you these things and yes. passing them on to you as well. Like it's it. very social, yeah. exactly. So, What about Swedish people reading mm. English language books? My wife mm. is Swedish. She's, mm. I mean, our house is just full of books that she has yeah. bought and read, most of which are in the English language. Yeah. Obviously, they're welcome to you as well. You know, yeah. have, you, have you had a lot of dealings with people who are interested in English language books from the Swedish community? Uh, so, not at this point. I have not seen that so much a lot of so partially that reason is when i posted for donations i did it in a lot of the expat groups yeah yeah so i did it in american expats british expats irish expats and so therefore i haven't had as many dealings with the swedish community i think that once i open up like or if and when i open up a brick and mortar store then i'll have more people kind of walking by Mm. where i think um there will be more opportunity for that Mm. Mm. I think Bog Messon is actually going on the book, the big sort of book yes. event here in Gothenburg. Next have week. You, it was the next week, yeah. Next week, have yes. you plans to visit there? You're going to oh, be there. Yes, yes, yes. Peppering yes. your packages all over <laughs> Bog Messon. <laughs> yes, it, I have my tickets. Yeah. yeah. Will, will you be sort of marketing yourself there? Or are you going there to hear what other people are doing? Uh, I'm kind of going there. I mean, I'm going there mostly to see the different authors, hear them talk. Um, I haven't, yes, maybe a little bit of marketing, meeting new people in the Mm. community, um, things like that. But no, for the most part, it's just me as a fan of different books and different authors. Yeah. But the great thing about it is, you know, I mean, the one time I've been yeah. invited to book mess on was in the middle of COVID. So we came down, we did a sort of onstage video <laughs> interview and then just had to go again. Like, But yeah. uh, this time around, you'll have the chance. There is a lot of people in this city who are yeah. interested in the kind of thing that you're yes. doing, you know. Yes. Um, how are you going to reach people with this? Are you dependent on podcasts, on social media, on expats first and foremost to spread the mm. word? Is that what you need us to do for you? Yes. Or is there some, yes. quite simply yes come in get the books that's it leave your money and get the hell out exactly so right now I'm not going to be investing in ads I'm hoping for word of mouth and things like that I you know I'm part of the book community I trust the book community to kind of in books we trust yeah yeah Exactly. One last question I got to ask you yeah. is: We there's loads of books here. Um, yes. Do you need more books from people, or are you going to hang yes. on? You do. I would love to have more books from people. Obviously, you know, my plan is to be selling quite a bit. Yeah. So as I sell, I obviously need to restock and everything. Yeah. It'll be easier when I have a physical location, but that's yeah. not something that's you know preventing me from gathering them now. I know since I've moved back here a couple weeks ago, I've probably picked up. 
400 or so. So definitely still open. Is there a specific kind of book that you know, if you get mm. this off yeah, Paul Curley, who lives mm, uh, yes, here, yes, right? Yes. If he sends you this book, do you know, okay, I'll sell this in two weeks, so that's good. You know, th I want yes. more of those books. What kind of books? What genres? What authors would you like to get in? Because So my genres specifically are... Um, let's see if I can remember all of these. Children's books, obviously. Yep. Classics, crime, uh, fiction books, nonfiction memoirs. I also have some how-to books, like how-to gardening, how-to crafting, that yep. kind of thing. Um, even books like, you know, Swedish for Parents or things like that. Cool, yeah. I know... One of the big needs are for more affordable children's books. Okay. For, um, yeah, they're for very expensive people. in English, aren't they? If yeah. you're buying them off the website. Yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. And they're also, they have a limited shelf life. When yeah. your kids are done with it, they're yeah. done. You're not yeah. going to go back and read them yeah. again. You know, So send mm -hmm. them send them to, to Stephanie and she'll recycle them. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a timeline? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the website is going to be up and running. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out on Monday yes. morning, it's yes. lessismore.com. Exactly. Uh, and then when would you like to have the physical store set up but is that something that's like you know i really got to get this done or can you survive without it for like a year i i would definitely like it to be done by the end of the year mm -hmm. so hopefully you know sooner rather than later um we'll see i'll obviously keep everyone posted on social media and on my website yeah that's it get on yes. the website follow on yes. the socials finally before we go and it's been fascinating to talk to you and indeed to louise the cat about, <laughs> about your books and the takeover that's happened here <gasps> One book yes. that you think everybody should read. Ah, oh, so this is a tough book one. People hate this ah! question. <laughs> so recently, the one I've been recommending that I can't recommend enough, which I actually I read it this year. It was last year's book of the year on Goodreads, and normally those are very hit and miss for me. Yeah. Um, this one I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, I love Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. So. Highly recommend that book to okay. anyone and everyone. On its face, it's about, you know, two friends going in and out, um, becoming closer and more distant through their relationship. And it's also told through their love of video games. Oh, and I cool. think it's done in a really creative way. Yeah. I myself am not a huge gamer, but I still absolutely love the book. So. Yeah. Excellent. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, it's exactly. called. And if there was one book about Sweden or with any sort of Swedish flavor, what do yeah. you think, you know, for people like yourself and myself who've moved here, is there anything that sticks out apart I mean, from Wilhelm Mumbai? Yeah, that's the one that's very, that sticks out to me the most. Um, the first book is called The Emigrants, isn't it? Yes, yeah. exactly. So I think that one provides a really good, yeah. Do you know what? It provides a really good taste of yeah. uh, Sweden's story, but also of your yeah. story. And thank yeah, you so much exactly. for sharing it with us on the Irish yes. and Sweden podcast. And the best of luck with the bookshop. And if anything is happening, you come back and you tell me and yeah. I'll tell everybody who's listening to this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. And you. And I kind of, I write from the gut or, or the heart rather than from the head. And it's the only way I can do it. Like, I mean, there's no wrong way to write a book, but... This is my way and it's a very long way. And then I just try and I show up every morning and every single morning I have the fear because I think anything creative, you feel like you're creating something out of nothing. You know, it's, I used to work in accounts, like I used to do figures and it was so great. Like if it balanced, you knew you had done your job. And if it didn't balance, you knew you had to go back and find the mistake. But with something like a book, you don't, I never know. Oh, is this person believable? Is this person likable? You know, and and an awful lot of it is 
kind of draw second guessing myself and and then pester the people around me, you know, to read it and stuff. So, you know, I write very slowly. And, you know, people talk about doing a kind of a, a crappy first draft and and then go back and refine it. You know, and they do maybe several drafts. I literally do one draft, start to finish, like one draft. But by the end of that, it's like two and a half years later. There you go. That was from a chat that I had with the great Irish author, Marianne Keyes, back during quarantine. I did a couple of little YouTube clips, um, or a couple of little YouTube interviews, and one was with with the great Marianne Keyes there, and she was talking about the process of writing and how she writes and the books and the success that she's had in Sweden. And before that, you heard the equally great Stephanie Coughlin. And as I say, the but the website is open from today. So it's lessismore.com, L-A-S-I-S-M-O-R-E.com. And she's loads of great books there. But also... As we spoke about, she's building a community down there and I think that that's something that the Irish community down in Gothenburg can get behind and indeed bring any other English speakers that you may know with you because I think it's something that Gothenburg needs. I think, especially in the times we live in, lads, right? We've spoken about um, Ragnar Almqvist becoming Ireland's ambassador to Hungary and that kind of thing and at times Europe can be a bit of a dark place and God only knows that Sweden can be a bit of a dark place now when we're coming into the winter and there's great solace to be found in books and sharing books and talking about books and there's great ideas to be had from books and there's a lot of people out there who've never read a book in their lives and that's grand if books aren't your thing that's fine I've sometimes I struggle to have the patience to read them I've read an awful lot of them in my lifetime but it's not always something that I find easy to do because I don't have the concentration for it a lot of the time but when I do I get a vast amount out of it so during this coming autumn and winter now you know have a think about how you, how you're reading what you're reading who you're reading it with who you're sharing these things with and talk to other people about it and that kind of thing you know because um like a good book shared between people is always a great idea you know it's just there's, there's so much to be got out of it and you know you get great recommendations off people and discover stories and worlds that maybe otherwise wouldn't have you know so um and I do think that uh, Stephanie will be able to do great things in terms of putting you together with books that you might want to read as well. Listen, before I go, the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden, great, fantastic people that they are, talented, handsome, beautiful, successful, you name it, right? They're all getting together on Tuesday morning, sorry, not Tuesday morning, Thursday morning here in Stockholm. I think it's the 28th of September is their next big business breakfast, if Sophie Murphy told me the right date. Hang on, I'll check me notes now. Uh, we'll be at Urban Deli in Stockholm on on Sveavegen, Thursday the, t- the 28th of September at 8 o'clock in the morning, right? That's 8 o'clock Irish time. In other words, they might show up at 10 past 8, right? People don't see that as a hard 8 o'clock and everybody's sitting down and getting stuck into their scrambled eggs. Some people loaf in about 10 past 8, a quarter past 8, uh, and they'll be there then maybe until just after 9 o'clock until everybody goes back. I would suggest if you're new in Stockholm in particular, pay that a visit right and it doesn't matter if you're not running your own startup and you're looking for seed capital from angel investors and many other words that i don't know if i'm fully sure i understand right just show up because you meet some might meet somebody there who can give you a steer about you know uh, where to go to start your own business where to go to get a job who to talk to at maybe Enterprise Ireland or Board BIA if you've an interesting project going on there or just go and hang out with other like-minded people professional people and that because I've always found it to be very entertaining very enjoyable they're lovely people involved in the chamber and life is all about if it's not about books it's certainly about networking and getting to know people and that and uh, as I say it's just it's a very enjoyable way to start 
I suppose thinking about our weekend is the best way to put it, but it's a lovely thing to be able to do then, you know, so, yeah, so if the work week starts to be winding down there, you will meet some brilliant people there. That is all I have for you this week. For the love of God, don't forget to get in touch with me about Peter Miller. Uh, if you have any way you can help out down below in Malmo. You never know. We might have enough people still above in Yavla that we can do a parade up there as well. Why not, lads, if you're listening on the built-in site up there to the podcast? Get us ourselves together. The Swedish Irish Society is very, very well capable of helping you now, right? There's a load of expertise there. There's a load of stuff we've done in terms of finding out who needs to do what and what permissions you need and when you need to tell the police and all that kind of thing. So if any of those things need to be done, get involved with the Swedish Irish Society. Get on there. They're just they're only too happy to get volunteers from towns and other parts of the country that aren't Stockholm, that aren't Gothenburg and that aren't Malmo. So just get on to them there and they'll help you find the right people to deal with. That is it for this week. I have no idea who's on the podcast next week, but Jesus, you'll find out in about seven days. Until then, take care of ourselves. Take care of one another. And I'll be back again next Monday morning at seven o'clock sharp, lads, with a new episode of the Irish and Sweden podcast. Mm-hmm.